Wonderful. Hello, everyone. What? Welcome to another episode of Fell Forward. We're here. We're back so This <laughs> sounds so bizarrely relaxed, like, you know, late night uh, talk for, you know, movies or something, but it's game design instead. What? It's like Masterpiece Theater. We just need the music for it. What, what should I should, what should I do different? <laughs> Nothing. This is fine. It's just oh, you're not like super energetic like usual. It's more like this is relaxed and laid back. <laughs> it looks like our stream stopped. Oh, we're live now. Yep. No. Wait. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm just checking. Okay. As we're, uh, we're set for broadcasting. Yep, we're good. Sorry. Okay. Cool. I'm gonna go to our little thingy that's supposed to be our broadcasty doodly. And go to go to chat. Certainly there's a way to do it from here. Yep, same as work. There we go. Uh. Lovely. <laughs> what did it, I, I closed the chat because uh, it was constantly buffering and I didn't think I was going to get any use out of it. Did Catrice do something horrible? Oh, okay. No, no, okay, that's fine. <laughs> All right, start us off from the top, Rob. <laughs> Sorry. Yep. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fell Forward. <laughs> you, you, you can't keep giggling in the middle of the intro. <laughs> <laughs> I can hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fell Forward. I'm doing this for us because Patrice didn't like the relax run. <laughs> You got to pick. That's the only two I got. That's it. That's, I have I have meat wad on 100% meth and then, and then regular old dude. It's okay. We can do this. Just, just do whatever I'll mute myself. It's fine. It's your topic. You can't mute, mute yourself. All right. Intro. Hi, everyone. Flail forward here. Aggravated edition. No giggles that time. Mute lady. I knew it. All right. Well, forward. Friday nights. We're talking about sex tonight. Well, we talked about violence last time. So it's true. Death. death. Well, death. That's not violence. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Although they are intertwined in RPGs more frequently than not, but uh, yeah, not always. Yeah, you can. No, no, no. Shut up! All right, <laughs> back to Jesus. I didn't know you wanted a proper intro to this. I, I don't know. Well, well okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't constantly interrupt you. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're not sorry. I'll keep I doing was it until you told, <laughs> until you called me out. Oh, man. 
All right. We're sexuality in RPGs is our topic. I'm joined tonight. This is Rob joining you in podcast land and joining me in broadcast land is uh, Catrice is here. Evoir is here. Yeah. Yeah. And Mark's here. I'm Mark. Hello. Hello, normal person. And and tonight sorry. Talk about sexy times in role-playing games. When when you have them, why you have them. How much you go into detail. Here's let's just start right here, and we're gonna head off this conversation and then drop it and not talk about it. Fatal does it wrong. Okay. Yeah. yeah that was about all that needed to be said there. Good. <laughs> all right. So starting from that baseline, that's our that's our Great. that's our very bottom. We don't have to discuss anything that happens there. Now the step. Now okay. Then. <laughs> What what is that on even on the spectrum? Is that just like dumpster of what you should do? That's just dumpster of what you should do. There's nothing. I don't think yeah, there's anything salvageable there that we should. I don't think we need to linger on that anymore. Okay. Um, I feel so that's so, just like the pit that you put the dumpster in. Yeah. Very good. Okay. So, legitimate uses of discussing sex in RPGs include world building, for sure. Right, because mm-hmm. that's going to be an element of setting and culture and species and all that stuff. Uh, and then, uh, how much does it touch the game, and how uh, is it mechanized at all? And then also, uh, if if you do mechanize it, like how much? Hmm, where do you put where do you put the lines and veils by default? I guess is something we should talk about as well. Uh, and. Uh, I guess we'll stumble on more topics as we get there, but that's probably good to start with. Yeah. So settings, world building. What are we doing with sex and world building? Chat. Well, I'd say to start with um, one of the main things for world building in particular is that sex, it's not just sex itself, but like sexuality, um, pretty much anything related to such, like, uh, for example, like courtship rituals, um, things like um, the evolutionary history, stuff like that. Like, you, these things are kind of important from like a world building perspective because a lot of what we do as like a species or any culture is predicated upon like procreation like Mm -hmm. if we don't like almost everything in your body is built for the sake of well you're going to make more of you like things that keep you alive in the moment only really matter if you get to the point where you make more of you yeah no it's absolutely like a huge part of um I don't know, human culture, uh, that it would be almost odd to completely ignore how it influences a culture in a fictional setting as well. So it makes sense to have some considerations for it. Um, 
and especially when you're trying to build a fully fleshed out setting you want to have all these sort of factors that would help a player understand what that culture is about and what they're trying to achieve in life so it makes sense to focus in on sexuality and um like the whole concept of how this society thrives mm -hmm. yeah it, i feel like it's glossed over a lot of times i mean there's ways to talk about it without being explicit <clears throat> but i feel in many cases it's not not it's not even considered it it, it just it just doesn't come up to the point of conversation. And then because of that, it feels like there some considerations just fall away. Uh, and mm -hmm. sometimes, I don't know, it makes a, a feel where there's, where you do see that in, in games, it, it makes the culture feel more, more real because I, I, I feel, I find it hard pressed to imagine an advanced culture that got anywhere without at some point m ritualizing uh that component of existence it would be mm -hmm. worse because you know you have to there's just too many things have to happen <laughs> for culture to emerge for reproduction to not be a factor so mm -hmm. i feel like there's but you don't get so like for example uh let's take um uh, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna use it i'm not gonna use it as an example i'm not gonna i'm gonna use a different game i'm gonna use um world of darkness is almost a bad example for this but it kind of works yeah it, it's like I know I know there are some people who have actually managed to get good things out of World of Darkness in regards to this. I'm mm -hmm. sure they exist. I don't personally know any. <laughs> <laughs> good things out of meaning 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 having touched touched the 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 sex stuff in World of Darkness and had it been a, a generative experience. I mean, that's right. actually, I have actually done that, but that, okay. I don't think that was in the spirit of World of Darkness when I did. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, no, I was trying not to say D&D, &D, but you have to say D&D &D because it's the, it's, the, it's the giant elephant shit in the room. Um, <laughs> okay, so it doesn't touch it at all. Like, the, like the, the only point at which sexuality contacted D&D &D in the early editions was the mention of half-elves and half-orcs. I don't know that it got further mm. than that. Was there... I don't recall more than that. I mean, besides... There's there, there wasn't even... there At that point, there wasn't even a codified difference in male and female. I don't. I don't think that was in... First edition D and D, or even second. I think it was in maybe it was in a blue book. I don't remember. Any, it doesn't matter. Make, we can go into mechanical sexual dimorphism at some point. Probably in the mechanics section where we discuss that. Uh, but for world building, like you know, there's no 
many games don't go into detail about like how do elves procreate exactly like does it take longer because everything elven takes longer and is more elaborate and detailed and you know oh i didn't get the term tree hugger for nothing wow (laughs) (laughs) right so yes so I think the Where idea do trees come from? Yes, there's that question also. <laughs> well, I think I think more more of the idea is how it impacts like describing the culture. So mm-hmm. in in D D, a lot of this was taken from Tolkien mm-hmm. um, or inspired from it. And it wasn't as uh important to I guess the core of what D D was when it was first created. Like the, the focus of that game was much more on the wargaming aspect than it was on the um sort of lore and fiction first so i think as we're seeing more games that have the fiction be front and present in their design i think we're seeing more games that want to expand on what that means what the culture is sort of taking the the i guess pages from uh fantasy authors and novelists that really like to delve into those cultures uh, and expand on them so I think we're also seeing a lot more games now that are designing worlds that are not just a variation on Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You look at like a lot of the main big games that were around in, say, even the 80s and 90s. It is, it is basically still just, you know, elves, dwarves, you know, the most generic stuff that existed. Like... Now we're stuff that that survives. There's actually a lot of weird like things that were technically published then, like Mm -hmm. but that have Glorantha was weird. Glorantha was pretty. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I'm gonna say for ones that the wider population knows about. Yeah, that, that's a reasonable. Like, I was going to bring up a few like extremely obscure things that I know for stupid reasons, but no, they are not relevant to this co- to an actual conversation. Yeah, it's like there's going to be outliers where there'll be people that do bring stuff up, but it's going to be like, is this something that the average person that actually plays like role playing games will they have ever heard of these existing? Like, a lot of people will at least know that like. Powered by the apocalypse games are a thing. They may not actually know it stems from apocalypse world, but they'll know powered by the apocalypse games are a thing. Okay, I'm gonna mention one thing. I'm just actually I'm just never mind. I was gonna say that um it seems to me that this kind of topic comes from a place of wanting to expand on this topic like or expand on it in the sense of what does this add to your gameplay so not only i guess in the sense of like what does it say about the lore and background but it could also be something of more direct impact to how does this impact what your game feels like or plays like um and you mentioned World of Darkness and some uh, Apocalypse World, I think, had some um, more focused 
energy spent in developing what your character's sexuality was like. Um, and especially games like Monster Hearts, I think that has that that focus as well. Um, so why why did those kinds of games try to invest some of their energy in developing that? I don't know that I can speak for those games specifically, mm -hmm. but I can state that it's probably similar to along the lines of like why I added some of that into my game, which is it's something that it makes things much more meaningful in terms of storyline. Like there's a lot of story points that can come up mm -hmm. because of it. Um, there's not just the role playing, but there's the setup for like, characters to be built in the first place with this in mind like the whole concept of like didn't get soon and like it well not the whole concept but a large portion of it is the fact that they're basically a vampiric race they need to um feed on the soul of somebody that willingly gives it up to them mm. if they do not have a mate who loves them and is okay with this they basically starve to death so this is a part of their it actually comes into like the gameplay as you might actually have to bring this up on a semi-regular basis for your character to even be viable to be able to keep playing them so mm. this is there's a lot of awkward situations that come out of that, but those can also be really fun. Like, large part of my game is just putting people into awkward positions so that they have to deal with really bizarre circumstances or things that they're not comfortable with, because that's usually when you get the most memorable moments, I find. And I'm sure these other games probably looked at that and said, yeah, that's probably why we want to do this kind of thing because those are the interesting moments usually right that's a it's a very interesting perspective because it's um usually a topic that i think is pretty taboo to uh i guess discuss or historically it's been a pretty taboo topic so it's interesting to see this as like inviting players to explore that within the context of the game because you're right it does create for a lot of opportunity for players to get to engage in something that they might not otherwise um, taboo topics are almost all what role-playing games are about like mm. look at all the standard things that you're not supposed to talk about like politics sex um mm -hmm. things like i keep running around the countryside murdering people and taking their shit yeah, there's any combat. Generally, that's frowned on in the real world. I mean, it depends which country you're depends in. Depends on which country, but generally speaking, <laughs> it, in places where people play role playing games. Yeah. But because these are taboo topics, they tend to be the ones that people want to talk about, but they can't just talk about with normal people so it's like oh well we have friends we're role-playing this is just a character it's fantasy it's not real caveat 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 
it's okay for us to explore this topic now, or at least mm. not as weird. So can we actually like start okay. delving into this stuff? It might be interesting. <laughs> There's a caveat there where uh due to like however due to like cultural things, uh a lot less people are willing to just read like this is something that most people will skim over for various reasons. Mm-hmm. And you know that's fair enough. <laughs> like, if you uh, if I'll just say this piece didn't get it out of my system. Uh, if you're gonna have uh sex in your game, uh, even like somewhat off screen, yeah, make sure that everybody's on the same page of what type of content you're gonna have in the game. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> there we go. That's rule number one here. Mm-hmm. Dines and veils is important. <laughs> on this topic, etc. Mm-hmm. We were heading that direction and I want to have, say that. Yep. I'm sorry. Yeah, I do agree. Usually I'm not big on like, you know, putting up like a ton of safety padding everywhere to the point that it's you almost can't do anything unless it's like pre-scripted, which kind of removes a large part of the enjoyment of role playing, but for something like this, it's like there's a lot of people who get really uncomfortable for pretty good reasons because it's very baked into most cultures that you don't tend to talk about sex in general. So, this is something that should be in like session zero stuff, or if it starts to look like it's going to come up in the game, should probably pause for a second and say, okay, where do we want to go with this and how far do we want to go with that? Yeah, I think those are both very reasonable solutions. Having a session zero in which you clarify, uh, particularly if the game is going to include something along those lines, like it's you're playing something like Monster Hearts or Apocalypse World, where there are there are things called the sex move and you have those. Yeah. And so you, you, it could, it could be awkward if you do not tell players beforehand, Hey, right. here's this thing. You have something on your character sheet. It says sex move on it. Here's how this is used. This is what it does. This is what we all need to be on the same page as far as like, what happens? We 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 describe something. We fade to black. You know, at what point um, are we all? I mean, because hey, maybe what you everybody around the table is into is describing it very explicitly. I'm not here to yuck your yum, but uh, I I disagree with the term into. <laughs> That's not universally what it is. But uh, uh. <laughs> I have been. In games, though, where one player has been very into heavily describing certain scenes of that nature, while others are not. Yeah, see, everybody's got to be on the same. (laughs) Awkward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the same with a lot of other content. Like, I think it's just important to talk to your players and make sure that everyone agrees with what is going to be talked about in the game. Um, It's the, the... pre-conversation conversation conversation before we get to that point and everyone is uncomfortable uh, or certain people are uncomfortable, then it's better to just bring it up front at the beginning. Um, 
I think there's an isn't the, isn't there? I mean, generally speaking, generally speaking, isn't there just sort of an unspoken rule that you sort of keep things PG thirteen unless otherwise stated? Like, uh, is that something? I, I think that's something you have. Uh, <laughs> okay. I I will say that I play certain games that uh, <laughs> I mean I've been been doing more of that on the internet where I keep it like that level but um there have been times when uh but do you do you sp do you say ahead of time that's what we're doing no because i was an idiot teenager ah. okay well i think you made my point for me <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it did work out but that's uh, i am not in no way endorsing this as a methodology uh, but like it worked out because i knew these people yeah right the these people were so i i think i think <laughs> these people were expecting us to have a third uh, to expecting me and another player to have a 45 minute discussion of viscera that's just something that's gonna happen no that's fine i don't i don't i'm saying that exists and that's great but <laughs> i'm saying generally speaking yeah. in the context of rpgs as a, in aggregate across, across all scenarios should one not assume? Like, no, one should not assume that. Is was my point actually? It, hmm. It's a it's a pre. You think it's a pre existing default, but it, it does bear mentioning unless, okay, like everybody knows. Because as I said, like some of the worst, like worst quote unquote games I've been in were games where yeah, none of us knew what we're doing, so nobody had preconceived expe expectations. So yeah. Well, that's, it, that's interesting kind of extremely I, edgy. Right. I, it's funny because I think I would have agreed with Rob that, like, generally just in games or in conversation, that I would be cautious of bringing up topics that I think are more explicit than, like, sort of the PG 13 level. Like, yeah. uh, that's the kind of attitude I would take into bringing into sitting down at a table with a bunch of people that I potentially don't already know. Um, so yeah, the potential. Yeah, I guess there's some like thing because I already knew them, but I still do think that it does actually. It is something people should mention. Like, right. Like I don't. I would like to interject for a moment and say that mm. for most people, most being say eighty percent or so they assume the same social norms that they have in reality. So, you know, certain topics yeah. just don't talk about the last 20%. See, we usually have, say, you know, three or four players and a mm -hmm. GM. Oh, wait, that's enough for the 20% to show up on a fairly regular basis. In that case, that last person does not necessarily follow those rules. I will also say that, uh, you know, like normal conversation uh, for that social group. Yeah, like the 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 rating of the game was equivalent to our normal conversation. So that actually holds true in that case. But I, I still stand by my point. <laughs> All right. Except, except in the extreme corner cases, uh, such as Cavour is presenting. Generally, That's not an extreme corner case. I don't know. It sounds like an extreme. You see, you're putting a lot of caveats on that motherfucker. 
Yeah, that's an extreme court case, but the thing Catrice is saying is actually a much more valid version. Yes, yeah, no. Yeah, Catrice, I, I, I'm agreeing with what Catrice is saying so far, and I think I know what she's going to say next, but, but please continue. Yeah, I, I, I think just to get everybody on the same page, probably most of the time it's not a big issue, but there's probably one person in every other group that you run into. Like, if you start playing with random people, there's probably going to be some edgy person who goes into topics that other people are not comfortable with, or they just joke about things with, like, sexuality with their friends very openly that other people not feel comfortable with, or you'll get somebody who they consider it to be totally normal to go into a lot of detail. Like one of the things that we're getting for right now is um, a lot of people are now being much more sexually open in general about things like, Mm -hmm. you know, their personal sexual identity and so on. And that's not like a huge problem or anything, but if you have one of these people who's used to just openly talking about like not just oh they're bisexual or something but that they go into a lot of detail with it with their friends because they're used to doing that and they go into a group that is not used to that that's gonna be really awkward for a lot of people so yeah that probably should be brought up in advance at this point because there is a significant divergence in subculture there that one of those cultures is going to really weird out the more common culture that most people would have. I I think you're right. Yeah. I will say that the opposite end exists too. Like, there are some people mm-hmm. who do not want things going even PG 13, but they're. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely that as well. I mean, it's not as common at the moment because they don't tend to play role playing games because people that are like, they do not even want swearing to be said around them tend to be the kind of people that consider. You know, role-playing games should be burned for being satanic, so it's mostly not as big of an issue. <laughs> I don't think that's as much of a real thing anymore, but yeah, also true. <laughs> yeah, I'm just hiding this because my mom's literally like that. Oh, oh God. <laughs> that must create interesting conversations. <laughs> Try to avoid those. Because, you know, this is somebody who has, like, literally burned, like, Magic the Gathering cards for being evil. So, yeah. Oh. Anywho. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> My point is, they're not, they're not the people that you usually have to worry about right. in a game because they're probably yeah. not willing to play the game. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's I, fair. Um, That's fair. It's a fair point. I really would. I was actually going to advocate for for those people for a second, but no, you're probably that's yeah, it would be weird. 
is like, <laughs> I don't like violence. Let me pick up this game with the cover where it's like a dying, like a guy with a battle axe and muscles and shit, or, uh, you know, <laughs> it, the cover does a pretty good job of kind of telling you what's inside. I, yeah. it, would be, it would be weird, I, I think, uh, for for that segment yeah. to get into uh, get into a game by accident, unless one of their friends was just really fucking with them. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's actually fair. Uh, what I was gonna say is, uh, uh, I feel like, oh uh, god, I had something for a second. I feel like there's a. Uh, this isn't this topic, but the it's way more helpful to have those like uh variable consent sheets about certain topics than it is to go, oh yeah, PG 13. Because mm-hmm. like that's also useful to some extent. Right. I will go off on horrible bug on horrible bug tangents and make them integral to characters if I don't have somebody saying, yeah, no bugs, please. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm interested because you can do a lot of interesting and stupid things with it but that's totally fair there are definitely some people that I know of that like they get really bothered by even just talking about spiders it's like I don't want to deal mm-hmm. with spiders in my game just can we not fight giant spiders for once uh-huh. <laughs> reasonable honestly yeah. <laughs> Okay, back to back to the topic right, sex. of sex in role okay. playing game. Where were well, we? Where we're, world? We're, okay, we were at comfort level. We had just gotten through. Yeah, like, we didn't really finish world building. We got sidetracked in world building because it was probably more sensible to talk about comfort bit. Yeah, first. <laughs> that I wanted to get into in terms of like world building adjacent is character building, because um, I know when I I had a section in my game for a little while where I specifically wanted to talk about how um, like, there's no place on the character sheet to write your character's gender or sexuality. Um, and I wanted to make sure that this was something, or like ethnicity, and I just wanted to make sure for my game that it wasn't something that I wanted to be um, sort of a differentiator between characters, that you were, you're totally able to bring this into the game. Um, and if that was something that your group wanted, um, then that's that's perfectly fine, but it was just not the focus of what I wanted to set out to accomplish with Praxis. Um, and I just wanted to kind of get what what are your thoughts on this in terms of how games choose to address sexuality either by um, not implicitly including it or to um, I don't know like it's not like our games don't include sexuality or genders, um, but how have you found that games that don't explicitly uh, have it as a focus tackle it? Well, at the very least, I don't even like it when intelligence is a stat in the game. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I don't like how there's, like, abilities attached to it, so same mm-hmm. thing. Like, I'm... Even just writing out like your character's sexuality, it's like, okay, 
is this relevant for the game or the setting? Like, if it's relevant for the game or setting, sure. By all means, something like Monster Hearts, you should probably have it on the character sheet somewhere because it's probably going to come up at some point. Well, in Monster Hearts, uh, the explicit thing is it's changeable and unstatic and you're working through the issues, so it's very hard to write on your character sheet, actually. (laughs) Well, you can write it in. You'll just have to change it occasionally. You'll be crossing it out a few times, probably. But the point is... It is a game where you're going to talk about this probably at some point. If you're playing like D&D, your character's sexuality is like, okay, even if they are like bisexual or gay or something, it's like, is this actually going to matter unless they're a bard? In which case, you don't really need to write that down. It's already implicitly included in a bard. <laughs> bard sexual. <laughs> so how about um, with some of your games? How have you all addressed uh, gender sexuality concepts in your um, role-playing games? And why did you choose to approach it that way? Mm. Maybe Rob? Hmm. Um, so at this point, okay, how I've done it in Ashes previously is there wasn't even a spot on the character sheet for it. Um, it was, you could imply your sexuality through other things, like through loss. So you could imply that you were married or, and who your spouse was. And that wasn't, that wasn't, uh, that was totally open. So there was no mm-hmm. stricture, cultural or otherwise there. There was, um, because, because Ashes was always a, sort of about molding the world around the player. The, the player got to decide, uh, you know, what their characters, um, all, all identities you know, the, the multiplicity of identities the character has, both physical, mental, um, relational, how, however, I mean, in, it's interesting that Ashes actually conceptualizes that now is the three parts of self, but okay, doesn't matter. Um, but you could do it in different ways, right? So there were different ways to allude to who the character was uh, through other mechanisms that did matter um and but it was not something that mattered explicitly to the game so it wasn't on the character sheet um right in ashes now i have um uh visage is broken down into what people notice about you uh and that's there there's just some some things to select there and masculine or feminine or a balance is an option, but I don't, it's not explicit what that is. And that's going to mean different things for different Culture. cultures. Uh, right? As so, you engineer the city around you. you yeah. Know, yeah. So a, as it comes up, the player also you know, decides what their character is, but they also decide how that character is received by those around them. So you can create a, a culture in which, uh, whatever gender you you decide your character is is accepted or not accepted 
know, it, mm -hmm. you could have, you could, you could instantiate a culture in which you were a, uh, cisgendered heterosexual female. And that was highly frowned upon. Right. And that, that might be relevant to the game or that could be just, uh, a, a footnote. Yep. Uh, and exactly. it's, it's, it, it depends on where you want to take it, but I don't, you know, there's, there's nothing in the game that mandates uh, any of those concepts be front and center. Um, but if you want to address those concepts, I think the game can handle it. And then you can do, you would address it like any other, any other thread and you could learn about you could investigate your own sexuality. That could be something, an action you could take. <laughs> and what that, whatever that looks like, well, that's the story. So No, that actually makes yeah. sense in your case, because the way you set up, like, the cultures and, you know, the Day of Wrath and everything, mm -hmm. like, it would totally make sense for you to have, like, you know, the stereotypical, like, Amazon Zonian, like, warrior women tribe kind of mm -hmm. set up. You could set that up and this would almost make sense like if you wanted a wonder woman style character it's like yeah that totally works in this world and it would actually come up as something that you would have to deal with when trying to rebuild the world sure i mean uh, it, it it follows that um one of the principles of magic is that the more of the magic you have to locally have the more powerful it is um so being pregnant is something that would give a woman more access to magic just because there's more life locally mm. so, that's pretty sense. And, and so there's there's a um a faction in, in the setting that where the women maintain pregnancy as as a way to access greater magical power because because what humans do are are is exploit niches and I, I figure if there's a magical niche to be exploited a faction will exploit it and then i can just build factions around these little exploits because that's what we do mm -hmm. and it sounds like you because your game has so much openness in creating that setting, that there's sort of more openness for the characters and for exploration of these mm -hmm. different aspects. So it makes makes a lot of sense. Yeah, there, well, um, I mean, yeah, it's that, but there's a, I mean, that's just one little bit, right? So that that yeah. could be those that that thing could show up in your games, or it could not, and or it could be right. something way more extreme than that. That's just one example. That, yeah, you know, makes sense. Yeah. Um. So, Kat, with your game, you have more of a bound setting where I think you're looking more at the, um, perhaps the cultural or sort of world building aspect of it, or what was your take on it? Well, the way the game's set up is so that you can add other cultures of your own pretty easily to it, but there are some very specific ones that I created that they're meant to explore different aspects of um 
interpersonal relationships. So there are some aspects of sexuality built into some of these. So like Kayla, for example, the species does not have the concept of sexual dimorphism. They only have one sex. They're all hermaphroditic in nature. They don't understand like the concept of like male, female, or, or any particular other variations on this theme because they don't have that. Now, they can learn the concept if they're around like uh, people for a significant period of time. So it's not like you can, you're forced to play this for your character. You can just say, well, they're used to dealing with humans or other species. It's not a big deal to them. Like they've got it figured out. They've, they understand things like pronouns, like he and she, and they don't just use it, whichever one at random, because whatever, they'll figure it out. Right. Which by default is actually listed as an issue that they have is that they basically use the pronouns interchangeably because they don't see a difference between them Hmm. and they don't know when one is applied to the other. So, yeah. Um, that's like one example. Another one, uh, the Firaxians, I specifically built around the concept of um, swapping the male and female gender roles just so that people could explore what would be different while still maintaining like this the same kind of character setup. Like if, if you want to play a female character, it's like, okay, there you go. You basically take on the masculine role in terms of how it would be in humanity, except because you're still the female side of things, like it might be easier for people to to relate to it. But now you're going to see things from uh, a different perspective of how this applies. Like part of it was to show like, you know, the idea of like, if you're playing like a male character, if you're a male and you want to play like male characters, like, okay, here's some stuff about like, you know, being feminine that you may not have actually taken into account previously. Mm. But on the other hand, it was also like having dealt with like a fairly large number of very um, strongly opinionated feminists. It was like, you have these extreme opinions about men, you know, nothing about men. So part of it was literally just let's build this into the game so that you can actually play your, your female character that you want, that you are taking on the masculine role. And you get to see that it's not all that it's cracked up to be like, even the societal things that it sounds like, oh yeah, this is totally like a huge advantage for men. And then it's like, oh, you get to find out the hard way that that wasn't an advantage. That's not a benefit. That's a responsibility you can't turn off. So this is something that I think actually is kind of interesting to explore in this kind of a game. And it's only possible to explore by having sexuality and like 
some of their courtship rituals, stuff like that, even come up as a concept. Like, if I had not defined some of their biology, which I don't really go into in the game, but it's like lightly hinted at, like things that they're like hyenas, yeah. right? Like the yeah. Hyenas. Yeah. yeah, there, there's some stuff similar to hyenas. There's some stuff similar to like, um, uh, what are they called? The, the, the fish that looks like a horse thing. Seahorse. How did I? Seahorse. I know. Brain farts. But anyway, yeah, it's like the males actually are the ones that get pregnant. Yes. Yes, I figured it out eventually. But yes, the males actually are the ones that get pregnant. They're smaller than the females. Females are more aggressive, more dominant. But it's things like that that um, for example, in their age, like they get an extra name every eight years to say that they've gone through this life experience, they deserve more respect. Females by default get an extra name compared to males. So this seems like an advantage at first. The problem with that is that it means the females are expected to live up to that extra name that they've earned. Like you have more prestige by default than a male. But you're expected to live up to it. You can't turn it off if you have this extra advantage. Like, yeah, I can throw my weight around a little bit more. But if something gets screwed up, I have more responsibility to, to clean up the mess as well to go with it. Because I'm just expected to be more responsible than the male character would be in the same situation. So you use you use uh, way one of the things you're doing with explore. I'm sorry, lean back from the mic. One of the things you're doing with exploring speciation in your game with a different with different species is um, is sort of allowing players to have uh, strong in-game reasons to uh, explore radically different uh gender and sexual expectation uh what um, it's more like um like a structural functional organization like it's a whole different set it's not even like a different role within a society. It's a totally different social, so mm. total with totally different social norms, right? So you could be a big strong male of that species, right? And oh that yeah, would be, yeah. And that would be, you would be Weird. like the standout, right? Yeah, and that's totally fair, and you can mm -hmm. totally do that kind of thing if you want. It's just until you set this as the baseline to work with mm -hmm. you can't define the exceptions to the rules until you know what the rules are yep. yep so it's just society in general it's like it's not just like what we were talking about 
earlier about like the biological aspects. It's also like the psychology and the sociology of the different like species. Like biology partially informs this, but so does like the environment they're in and then you know, the cultural aspects as well. And a lot of this does come down to like their biological differences from like other species. If you take these things into account, it actually makes for much more interesting potential situations. Like I really want the players to be looking at their their social situations that they're in, not just oh, how do I kill this monster? But also, like, how do I fit into this society? Like, the starting point is, who am I? What what am I actually trying? What do I actually desire? But once you get that, it's like, how do I fit into the world itself? Because even if I know how who I am, that's just one piece of the puzzle. Where does the puzzle piece fit? Right. So it's something that I think that is kind of important to explore in this kind of a game. Makes a lot of sense. It fits with a lot of the values that I think your game exposes. So. Okay. Sorry. Uh, 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 uh. Uh. Wait, anyway. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Mm. I forgot what I was going to say, and I'm sorry for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I made you all make stupid noises. I'm also sorry for That's that. That's okay. We would have done it anyway, probably. Right. Say, <laughs> uh-huh. um, Kavor, do you want to talk about some of the games that you designed? Have you made any specific um Designs no, that revolve around sexuality. Not really. Uh, okay. If we go, to, if we go into identity issues, that's a whole other thing. But right, uh, that is not not super relevant to anything I've written. Uh, although, <laughs> what was I going to say? <laughs> no, I lost that point. Anyway, yeah, no, surprisingly, not not a bit huge thing in any of my games. <laughs> are there reasons that you've chosen to or like ways that you've chosen to handle it or Uh, is that i I, if i feel like i need to give a a look a category for doing looks i just leave i don't even list options on gender uh no that's not actually that's a joke answer i need to be 100 percent clear on that but no, because of what I design games for and how I design them, I actually don't. I, it's been surprisingly little page face on that. Uh, it's actually interesting to think about. Just like I mean, in games I run, all uh, not uh, like hetero is not even a default, but. <laughs> That doesn't mean like it actually comes up in the game text, and that's interesting. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe not interesting. It's just 
not the focus of the game. Mm -hmm. So I don't spend an overly large amount of text on it. Yep, makes sense. That's kind of been my approach as well. Um, so I, I get where you're coming from. Although, um, if yeah. Yeah, I think I'm actually kind of odd in that situation because, like, most people are not going to consider it to be, like, this is something that should be brought up normally. It's just, in my case, it's like, well, I want to put people in awkward situations and to be thinking about who they are Mm -hmm. as an individual and their place in the world. So this is potentially part of something that could be really interesting to look into yep. you don't have to but in this case it might be fun yeah and awkward but that's kind of part of the point the awkward part I is mean, where a lot of the fun is <laughs> yeah oh god makes yeah. sense it fits very well with your game so yeah, yeah I, I think a lot of games do kind of inherently realize the the awkward situation is part of the fun because like when you look at monster hearts like that's basically the whole point of the game is you're in an awkward transitionary period and don't Mm -hmm. know who you are what you're doing or why you're doing anything yes you're it is explicitly yeah you don't have you're figuring everything out and everything's changing too fast your role in society is changing and you're not going to fit into the the boxes that have been presented for you etc yep i mean blaze in the dark is the same thing i mean it's it's, you're supposed to be never comfortable like that's yep it's it it it, it, it's one of the things you can it's just one of the ways you can push story forward um if that's something see that's the thing it's like it's not this yeah, it's sort of a half-finished thought, but it was like it's 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 one kind of of motivator that uh, you know pushes people to do things, uh, and so if that's the key motivator in your game, it's going to need a certain amount of mechanics at least behind it, at least enough to actually get the characters to be doing the things you want the characters to be doing in your game, and then. What I was gonna say is yeah, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I oh. just spelled out. But uh, I was gonna say is yeah, it's important to mechanize the things that you want people to be doing so that they know that the options are there and that the game can actually handle the options and make them variable instead of just throwing you saying okay, the game is about this. Okay, uh, let's uh, you're on your own for t- actually playing it out, but the game's definitely about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we have all read those games. <laughs> it's like, here, the game's about this. We don't give you any mechanics for this, but trust us. Uh, yeah, that's something that's always kind of bugged me is like a game that tells you you're supposed to do something like, we want this to be a very heavy role-playing game, but there's no mechanics for role-playing because that might interfere with your role-playing. <laughs> and it's not actually a role-playing game. Like, we don't need the game for this. Like, we can get rid of the game and still play this as open role-playing, and it's exactly the same because that's all you've given us is nothing. 
It depends on what you mean by role-playing rules. In big fat air quotes. Oh, yeah. yeah, but there's definitely... I know for a period like when the Forge was around, there was like a a fair number of games that they very explicitly tried to avoid anything that would look like uh, um, role-playing rules, like anything that would direct or tell your character what to say or do. And it's like, I understood their reasoning. I just think their reasoning was horribly flawed. What was the horrible flaw in their reasoning? That if you are trying to get people to do something and you give them absolutely no direction whatsoever on how to do the thing, then they don't know how to do the thing. Like, that's not part of the game at this point. It's not something that the game is helping them do. It's like, the whole point of why you're writing a game in the first place is so that when people are like, I don't know what to do with this, it's like, oh, well, don't worry. The game itself has something to, you know, explain that for you. Like, it's to cover those uncertain situations or at least give you a nudge in the right direction so that you know where the next step is. If you don't even know that steps exist, or what the steps might even reasonably look like because it's never mentioned. It, yeah, it's not boxing you in, but you kind of need some degree of some degree of solid mechanical foundation, or at least something to base what you're going to do off of if you don't know what to what you have for options then mm. you can't come up with options but if you make rules mm. that are very strict like very narrow then it's like okay i can only do these things if you make the the rules very broad then you might not know what you could do at all in the first place like you're not you're not going to feel like you're you're trapped, you're going to feel like you're lost. Sorry, I kind of rambled to get to that point. That's why. <laughs> um, I mean, the, okay, ahead. Rob, say your thing first. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just... Okay. I have get design games deliberately around trying to uh, create a certain type of lost. I do not want to create that type of, the type of lost where, okay, this game is not telling me what it's supposed to like, it's telling me what it's supposed to be, but it's not telling me how to get there. And I'm fine with the uh, things that call themselves games that are more or less a like glorified uh, list of free RP props. <laughs> like, that's okay to me, but there that's is... That's still a prompt. <laughs> yeah, the, it's a prompt and a structure for prompts. Uh, Catrice, uh, this isn't relevant to... This. Actually, it's kind of relevant to the sex discussion for an entirely silly reason, but uh, Catrice, have you... Are you aware of Firebrands as a game? Or an engine. I'm just oh no! Curious. Oh no! Okay, sorry, my nut just cut out for a second. I heard Catrice. This is actually relevant. Yeah, yeah uh, it's relevant in a weird way. Uh, there's a game called Firebrands by Vincent Baker, and I'd be interested to see if you. Yeah, I know, yeah, right? I know, that but... motherfucker. <laughs> I know, I know, <laughs> that fucker. Uh, anyway, I. Uh, 
Uh, I actually would be interested to see your take on that. It's relevant because it's a game that uh, pretty explicitly has sex in it in voices. Uh, although it does gloss over the actual like mechanics of that. But uh, it's but why I bring it up is it is literally there are a few there are occasionally points where you toss coins, but it is mostly let's exchange a series of pro, uh, pro discussion prompts. And it's like a, a formalized series of uh, discussion prompts and mini games you move between. And I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that, but that's not this discussion. I just was thinking yeah, I don't know about it for right now either. But that would be interesting to look into. I don't see anything wrong with it off the top of my head, just from what you've described. I'm I'm now curious if I could make a game that's explicitly about sex. Like that's the entire thing. I don't know what it would be like though. Like a magical orgy or something like that. No, I, I wouldn't think that it would be so blatant. It would no, be it's so gonna be very blatant. Yeah, like you can make a a ticket of Oh god. So do we have to bring up let these mermaids touch your deck maybe again? <laughs> god damn it. I thought we were gonna get through this whole podcast without that coming up. I knew it. I, it was in the back of my mind from the start. I <laughs> Well, I mean you walked into that one, Rob. I'm sorry, that one's your fault, not Catrice's. I know what I did. You did. <laughs> Don't steal my credit from that. <laughs> but yeah to, to get back to like the, the concept of the topic in terms of what can we do for you know world building and such other than like, what i've mentioned for like what i did for mine what other ways do you think that it would be beneficial to have knowledge of, like, even if you didn't necessarily put it in the game, if you just wrote out for like, okay, there's this unique alien species that you're dealing with that does not fall under elf or dwarf or whatever. If you planned out like their sexuality to some degree, at least enough to develop like courtship rituals and like societal standards what else would this be useful for designing for your game? Like how would, mm. how would those things, how would you translate the fluff of those things into viable mechanics such that you could push the story forward with those things? I mean, that would be one example of something that you could do with it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Well, well, how would you use court mechanics? For I mean, you could have favor, right? So you would be doing like moves to curry favor in court for certain things, and uh, learning things about other courtiers, and uh, figuring out who other people's weaknesses and flaws, and so you would need like weaknesses and flaws and. Blah, 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 blah. So 
you basically already started in on your sex game from the sounds of it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's just... <laughs> like, it's not even about, like, an orgy. It's just trying to go out on a date and you have to defeat, like, the other people that are trying to court someone. Oh, no, no, no. It's explicit. I mean, it's very... It has to be very sexual. That, that would be the whole point of the game. It would just be like, here's the sexualiest RPG even possible. In good taste. You have to name it Peacocks. <laughs> what? Why? The, why would? I'm because. Not... Because it would be like the most blatant upfront form of sexualization, kind of thing, right? Oh, okay. Because that's the most sexual, like, like dimorphic. <laughs> Yeah, it's you're basically like showing off. Or That's so weird. You totally do this. But more of what I was trying to get at is the idea that society is largely built upon sex, food, religion, and war. Like, those are basically the four things that make everything run. If it's not one of those four things, then it's probably not a major part of your history or your society. Like, it may eventually become such as your society progresses, but through most of your history, like your record to history, it's almost all of your technology is going to be primarily developed for one of those four things. Like, even in our history, for example, like VHS won over Betamax because the porn industry adopted it. It was allowed to uh, use it. Sony actually stopped uh, stopped porn people from, from using it. They didn't license it to pornographers. They shot themselves in the yeah. They learned their lesson with Blu-ray, though. Ooh, boy. Yeah, but the thing is, like, any technology that gets developed... Even social technologies, things like, you know, eye for an eye, which was a step up from the previous version of just, I'm going to completely overreact and just flip the fuck out for no real good reason. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, let's temper that down to just, if they have not, you know, killed anybody you care about, you can't just flip out and start killing like their family members because they spelled your name wrong on on your birthday card that's not how that works but this was something that was developed that's an extreme example yeah it's a good point of cross yeah but the point is like even social technologies most of these came about because something had to do with Again, it's either going to be like your warrior for religion, you're like feeding people or the procreation somehow is going to be something along those lines. So when you're developing anything for a culture, it's really going to come back to one of these four things. And if you don't know what those four things are like what did people eat for a food source around here or what can this 
species digest, mm-hmm. which is to go back to like the Nagitsun thing for my game. Like they need to have soul energy. They cannot digest a standard raw magical etheric energy. It's their it's their system is too delicate for it. They need to have the more refined soil energy. So that becomes part of their courtship rituals. They have to have that. If they don't have those, if they if they don't have like food and essentially sex together, even though they technically don't actually have like default genitals. Like they, they basically have default genitals. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of an odd thing in that situation. Like, they have minor shifting capabilities so that they can match for whichever species they work themselves into. So, illusion and such, like, the whole idea is, like, they adapt themselves to another uh, species, but they don't need sex to procreate. They just need to overfeed on the soul energy. But, like... Your partner's going to be a little bit concerned if you're the virgin birth. I'm so confused. Wait a second. <laughs> okay, so these things, they're... Oh, okay, I'm just going to... Okay, never mind. I'll, I'll forget it. No, no, I, I want to hear this question. <laughs> I'm just trying to work out the... So this species are soul vampires... Mm-hmm. And when they get together to make another little soul vampire, they don't get together with each other. They steal they, the soul they, from something they else. They can't. They, they, can't. they actually cannot breed with their own species. They can only breed with other species. Um, it's not actually breeding for them. They're just uh, budding, as it were. But <laughs> okay, okay, okay. All right. Okay, that makes more sense now. Okay. Yeah. They- they cannot procreate with their own species because they basically they have to overfeed on enough soul energy that they keep enough in reserve beyond what they need to feed themselves that they basically say, oh, I have enough here for making another one of me. I guess I'll just do that then. So technically the only thing they need is physical contact. Oh, okay. That makes more sense than what I was picturing before because. Yeah, it's just. Okay, that's good. The issue with that is that they have to adopt the courtship rituals of whichever culture they're being a part of. And, you know, also the sexual stuff as well because, oh, um, we never had sex. You have my baby. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> That doesn't work. How did this happen? Were you cheating on me? I want a divorce. Oh, you're starving now. Whoops. Mm. So, by the very nature of this, they have to keep up. Well, they don't have to. They don't have to keep up appearances, but given a lot of, you know, the whole soul vampire thing, it's like, turns out, oh, your girlfriend uh, has been eating your soul this entire time. Um, that can also lead to a divorce pretty quickly, if not, you know, trying to stake them in the heart 
through misunderstandings. So, yeah, this is not a good situation. So they might reveal this information to their mate. They might not. Again, awkward situations are fun. <laughs> so you have awkward situations just built in at the species level. Yep. Wow. That's very human. I like that. <laughs> I'm just thinking, this is a... Uh, if they didn't have the whole drawback uh, of, the, of how they need to survive, it's really interesting to have a race that has innate dimensional and interstellar travel capabilities built into them. Because <laughs> I think they do, if I remember right. Sort of, yeah. Or at least, uh, by default, their, their home world was overlapped with Terra, so... Oh, it's just one of those silly dimensional overlaps because, yeah, that thing wouldn't exist. They wouldn't be able to exist if they had their own, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Unless they lived on a world that gave ambient soul energy for them. Yeah, they'd have to get it from somewhere else. On their home world, they grew up with a second species that they co-evolved with. Problem is, second species kind of disappeared i haven't gone into details with it yet i'm saving that for a later time a lot of hints and speculation at things that could have happened but haven't made anything concrete but basically their partner species disappeared no longer exists gone extinct that's a problem they had to find new sources of food but that means that they wandered off into other portions of universe and basically wound up having to deal with a bunch of different cultures so yeah good thing good on them that they that they're shapeshifters because it would have been awkward otherwise or or i guess if you started a cultural understanding that might have worked out for them who knows it's mostly illusion magic but they're partial shapeshifters there's like a little bit they can do to change their size uh genitals basic shape like the immediate stuff that's absolutely required for survival for this to work but that's about it that's still a fair bit of shape-shifting giving the races that exist in well compared to us yeah yeah like it's something to work with though but it's not like a cure-all that you'll solve everything again more awkward situations because Oh, so you're like this giant, like, arachnid tour thing, and somebody wants to ride on your back, but you actually don't have a second torso. This is going to be difficult to hide, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that sure that does sound awkward. Um, one thing you had mentioned about um, sort of the kinds of stories that, well, or what uh, what mechanically like would a game that focuses on um, uh, sexuality in its core uh, aspects change? Um, and I think one thing that I wanted to bring up was also the kinds of narratives that you tell. Um, even just having things like courtship mechanics or like courtship as part of the um, 
I don't know, focus of what a game is trying to get you to engage with means that you can have something like different cultures that interact in different ways. Like there's a whole Firefly episode of Mal getting married to someone uh, Mm -hmm. without realizing that he went through a marriage. Like uh, anyway, all of that kind of stuff that uh, can be themes or events or scenarios that happen in your game. And maybe if that's something that focuses on like what different cultures are about or um, how these different um, people interact with each other, that could be a, a great focus for being able to do that with, uh, I don't know, with a role-playing game. No, I do think that that's something that could be really interesting. Like the example, like you said, there's, there's like the episode where I barely remember this. I have to watch through Firefly again, but the idea that like, you could get married to someone and not even realize that's what it was. Right. It's like, okay, well, they obviously have different cultural uh, things. And it's like, but if you got married and made this pledge, but didn't realize you were making this pledge, would it really count? Like, you'd have to have some interesting aspects about the culture that they do not accept the concept of taking no for an answer or making a pledge that you didn't realize that you were doing it like it had it would have to be something along the lines of ignorance of the law is no excuse for committing a crime kind of thing right 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 that's exactly it and then it feeds into what might be core to that uh culture that that kind of people so if you were having a game that revolved around i don't know understanding different cultures or something like that then i think um sexuality is a a great tool to be able to use to leverage those kinds of stories yeah actually i got reminded of there was another game that i made before it was like an mmorpg that i was working Mm -hmm. And one of the plot points, because this was supposed to be a parody of, you know, fantasy tropes and such. One of the plot points is that um, previous uh, elves, dwarves, those kinds of things basically got removed from the planet. They got replaced with vampires and werewolves. And there was a big thing about how, you know, the procreation for these ended up being that you know they have to to bite like a a human woman right so there became like a lot of legal requirements and forms to fill out to be able to legally bite someone (laughs) because like the two didn't want to like once you bite someone and it's like oh you're a werewolf now it's like I didn't want to be a werewolf. Well, too bad. Sucks to be you, doesn't it? Mm. So they built up like this entire like structural society thing where they could coexist, but there's like piles and piles and piles of laws about like when you're allowed to bite somebody and you have to get like something like three stacks of paperwork worth of consent for it. 
<laughs> and to be inclusive and so it didn't so the laws did not single out one of the two species or the other they're all written very broadly so it's if anybody bites anything so one of the characters in this game you pick up before you get to this area is this small cute little fuzzy creature which has a habit of biting things so as soon as you go in it bites someone and, and basically your empire your entire party becomes embroiled in this huge legal battle over the fact that it bit someone without proper consent forms filled out but this is the kind of thing that could only have happened under this kind of a scenario by keeping track of like how do they procreate if you did not have this or the cultural setups that surrounded it it would not have made any logical sense whatsoever yeah i'm not i'm still not sure it does uh, <laughs> yeah, no, once, you, once you start uh, applying laws to uh, weird little <laughs> that you, you have running around the fact that you can't just go oh it, the, I feel like it's reasonable anyway I feel like it, you it, uh, uh, how should I phrase this uh, you're more likely to have to convince people to go up or be uh, destroyed than to fight a legal battle, but that's just me. I don't know uh, what I was saying. It is one of those things that it is blatantly silly. That is kind of the point to, to stretch this out to a ridiculous extreme like yeah it it is silly no no arguments there but you know culture where this is completely required for their survival and for them to not constantly be at war trying to kill each other off all the time if you follow very strict rules and make sure that these rules are always followed, no exceptions, zero tolerance enforcement, then yeah, you kind of get these stupid situations because this is what happens when you have zero tolerance enforcement of anything. I, it is mocking that, yes, this is a dumb idea. This doesn't make any sense to a degree. Like it, you can see the logic of where it happened, but it's like any rational sane person is like, no, it doesn't make any sense for us to, you know, charge like a six-year-old in kindergarten for sexual harassment because he kissed a girl on the cheek. Except that was an actual real thing that happened. So how do we get to these kinds of situations in the first place zero tolerance rules like they actually happen mm. it does make for a lot of conflict in a story so mm -hmm. 
Um, I think I've covered most of what I wanted to chat about with this topic. Um, how do you guys feel? I've, I should have like said like three more words on sex moves, but I don't know what those words were, so I think I'm done. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Rob? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Already. Yes, maybe, maybe. Maybe there's something else. Maybe there's something else. But I don't know what it is right now. Ah. Uh, good. Uh, yeah, I, I think I've covered more than I originally intended to cover i'm i'm sure there's more things that i'll think about like after we yeah. end the stream i'll be like oh man we could have covered that oh well no love yeah but it's been an hour and a half so we're we're good on episode five. Yeah. we're good all right everyone we say we're good do you agree <laughs> if not let us send know let All complaints and hate mail and death threats to our Discord. Right there. It's in the show also, notes. And, uh, yeah. We also have comments and an email address. Yes, we do. I, I, haven't, I haven't checked the email in a while, I'll be honest. If any of you check the email, uh, you'll have access to it. Nope. <laughs> I explicitly said I refuse to interact with it, so no. Okay. I don't even check my own email. <laughs> I should, but I don't. <laughs> but yeah, oh, also one other thing. Uh Discord has added a new uh channel type for people being able to hop into the discord channel and listen in while we're having the conversation like we do actually record these on discord itself and then stream from there and make recordings from there so we may in the next little bit start having the ability for people to actually jump into the call and be there and we might actually be able to have like people bring up their own thoughts or questions directly into the show so if you want to hop into the show directly that might even be an option yes it will be an option that that's an option we may or may not take advantage of <laughs> yeah Honestly, if you if you say something in chat there's a decent chance we'll actually see it but yeah. Th that would involve you actually watching us on time so you know yeah and you know i mean it's friday night and you have things to do although maybe not it is still covid out there sort of ish in places i don't know man it depends it seems like some places yes some places not so much some, some places are getting their vaccinations quite a bit so we'll see maybe friday nights will open up again yeah i actually checked earlier today there's literally six active cases in Nova Scotia. Hmm. Great. Good job, good job, Nova Scotia. Yeah. You say that we're supposedly a world leader, but to be fair, the main reason there's not very many cases and nobody lives here, so there's nobody to transmit it to. 
Yep. <laughs> we know. <laughs> we know. Yeah. I mean, you can look on Google Maps. It's just it's just tundra. Forest. It's not tundra. Don't be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> this this podcast is majority Canadian. You're the only one not allowed to make those jokes <laughs> or something. No, I, I it's <laughs> that's right because I I know I'm not allowed to make. That's why I make the jokes because I'm being transgressive <laughs> on purpose. Uh. <laughs> Fine, sweet. Yeah, things other than just tundra. We have like little tiny excuses from a mountain range, if you can call it that. And we have trees and some trees and snow. There's trees and and rocks and snow. Sometimes there's like farmland. Like I saw a picture of somebody. Uh, in Wales posted earlier, it looked a lot like here. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that uh, at least one of you understood what I was referencing. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. said we were going to call this, so let's call it. Yep. All right. Good night, everyone. Yeah. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thanks for listening. Go.